This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Arsenal News Show, our Raw Reaction Series every single morning, 8am UK time, as many days in the week as we can possibly feel when we're feeling pretty much all of them as we reach episode 30 of the news show, which of course carried on from our coverage over the summer of the Arsenal Transfer Show. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, in the chat box. We've got George, MFB, Colin, uh, this being has no name. Stephen, Bungle, uh, Saeed, Wilson, Tom, Stephen, Bungle. Again, I've highlighted two people that we've already said. <laughs> it's going to be one of those days, I can see. Wrath of Aries, thank you so much, all of you guys for tuning in some of the regulars and some irregulars as well. Thank you so much, guys. Make sure you, if you haven't already, to drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Uh, and of course, if you also haven't done so already, please do go over and subscribe to the Arsenal Way. Some really exciting stuff coming over the next couple of days. We've got the Football Fun Day Part 2 coming out today. Myself and Bailey showing you basically how bad I am at football in some football challenges that'll be coming out a little bit later today and then some really interesting interviews over the next couple of days as well but yesterday on the channel we did uh with myself and David Hughes uh reaches uh analysts and, and uh scouting writer did go through Arsenal's nil-nil draw with uh Brighton and we broke it down into kind of the different tactical side of the game so if you're into that and you like the tactical side of the game looking at stats looking at where Arsenal need to improve why they didn't necessarily win what were the issues then please do go over to the Arsenal away link is in the description and have a watch of that uh, and subscribe to it if you haven't of course already but we kick off today with news regarding following Balogun the young 20 year old striker of course has been nominated for the player of the month award for September in the Premier League 2 division which is where obviously all of the under 23s teams play he's had an excellent September and pushed Arsenal towards their title challenging start to the campaign um, but he could 
be on his way out of the club. Not permanently, you'll be glad to know, but he will be off to play elsewhere on loan. The suggestions are that Mikel Arteta is considering sending Balogun on loan for the second half of the season to get in some integral senior experience. At the moment, you have to say he is just not getting at Arsenal at this current time. And so, therefore, it makes complete sense that we would send him out on loan. He's been obviously a striker that we know that he's got these qualities. We know that he's very much highly rated. We know that he can be a lot better um, than he's being able to show because he's just not getting those opportunities at Arsenal at the moment, which is ultimately not his fault. He's got a Aubameyang and Lacazette ahead of him. It's always going to be difficult. But Balogun looks like he could be leaving on loan in January. Now, Dusan Vlovic, the Serbian striker for Fiorentina, scored a hatful of goals last season in Serie A and has continued along that form this season as well. 21 years of age, very highly rated. He is being coveted by plenty of clubs across Europe and Arsenal have been previously credited with interest in the striker. He has turned down the final contract offer from Fiorentina, meaning that his deal will run out in 2023, meaning that at the end of the season, he will have just one year left on his contract, meaning that he could be available for a cut price deal, but there will be plenty of competition to bring in the forwards. Arsenal and Tottenham have been credited in England, Juventus, Roma, uh, into Milan have been credited with interest over in Italy. It will not be a easy one to acquire if Arsenal indeed do go for Vlervich. And yesterday's show, we brought to you news that Arsenal have drawn up a list of striker targets that include the likes of Oli Watkins, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Yusuf Nezri, uh, and one other striker whose name has completely escaped me. Jonathan David from Lille uh, was the other player as well. So, it is going to get hectic with striker chases. Considering the fact that last summer we all looked at the striker market and went, there's not actually loads out there that you would go for. There are loads of names that are coming to the fore ahead of summer 2022. And it's only October, only the start of October, in fact, at the moment. Crazy times ahead, that's for sure. And we're bringing you back the Arsenal transfer show as soon as the January window approaches. Another striker on the list, you can make this number six, is Kareem Adeyemi. The Red Bull Salzburg and German international has also now been credited with interesting Arsenal. It's almost like if he's a striker, if he plays somewhere in Europe, if he scores a few goals, you're going to see a link to Arsenal. And that appears to be the case as we run up to the next transfer window. You do need to take all of these links, as I say, with a relatively large pinch of salt because as Arsenal want a striker, it's very easy to see these links crop up to these different forwards. But Adiemi is someone that I know very well from my own personal following of Red Bull Salzburg. He's someone that's come in and filled the gap left by Pats and Daka. Seiko Kuerta is still there, but his ban that he suffered means that Adiemi is very much taken to the fore. Megan Barisha also left in the summer for Fenerbahce. So he's had to come forward and really fill that spot. And he's doing it excellently. Very quick, very adept on the ball, very technically good, left-footed finisher, really nice player, still very young, lots of development still to go. Would I take him? I'm not sure about the age profile. I still very much think that Arsenal should be looking at a striker in the mid-20s range of, of kind of ages of player to really allow Balogun that route through to the first team and, and not block that path. But if a player's good enough, sometimes that's enough to convince people that they should be being brought in to the team. I, in fact, have an article going out this morning about kind of the justification around going for a mid-20s striker and why a certain severe forward 
may be the right choice for Arsenal next summer. Now, a player that I didn't expect to be talking about too much uh, in 2021 was Christian Bielik, uh, the former Arsenal midfielder, of course, is someone that we all know very well from his time at the club, spending time on loan with Charlton and then has, uh, was sold to Derby, was brought in many years ago. I think it was, was it from, um, it was either Lech Poznan or Leisure Warsaw. I think it was one of those two, or maybe even wasn't, but I can't think that far back. But he was brought in from Poland and he has, unfortunately, in, is now in a situation at Derby where Derby, as we, as we now have gone into administration, and they owe a lot of money. Um, the figures are in excess of, I think, in around £8 million that they still owe to Arsenal from this deal. And Arsenal have deferred a payment um, to help Derby basically get through this period because they would have been expected to pay, I think, something like £1.4 million. And Arsenal have decided to defer it to help Derby during this really difficult period for them. Make it out what you will. I always try to see the positivity in humanity. And I think that's a really good move by the club to try and help out Derby during this difficult time because they are a very big club that don't deserve uh, and their fans don't particularly deserve to be where they are uh, and in the situation that they're in. It's been poorly run, poorly managed, and uh, they shouldn't be in this position. So Arsenal won't be getting any money from the Bielik deal anytime soon, but it is in order to help out Derby, who are in financial difficulty at the moment. Um, looking then at the biggest and headline news of the day revolving around William Saliba, the French youth international currently on loan from Arsenal at Marseille, having a brilliant time. Only one game, you would say, he's really kind of had a little bit of a wobble, which was the previous weekend, uh, the, the weekend before last, ahead of the Europa League fixture against Galatasaray. That was where he had a bit of a wobble against Lens, uh, I believe, or Lens. Um, and he's, his future up until now, or rather up until yesterday afternoon, was still very much up in the air. A lot of Arsenal fans were concerned about the, the future of Saliba. Was he going to be playing for Arsenal? Did he have a future? And the transfer guru himself, Fabrizio Romano, has come out and said that Saliba's future is still very much at Arsenal. They've been in contact with him. They spoke with him a couple of weeks ago, gave him assurances that they trust him 100%. His future is still at Arsenal. But the issue for Arsenal is that with three years away from the club, spending time on loan at Saint-Étienne, six months at Arsenal in the under-23s before a six-month loan at Nice, and now a year loan uh, at Marseille, it does leave the situation contractually a little bit delicate and that they now need to make sure that they sort something out. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where he could leave for free very soon, and we need to tie him down. So that's something that the club will need to focus on. They'll need to give him assurances that he's going to get plenty of opportunities in the first team next season. But with Gabriel and Ben White very much integrated, it could take a couple of tweaks. It could take going to a back three. It could take something even more different than that to consider Arsenal uh, as an open path for Saliba. But... That is really good news um, and that we've kind of had a little bit of the stress relief from the Saliba situation that he's, he has been assured that his future is very much at Arsenal and the club trust him 100% and they want to see him back and that he was sent on loan to make sure that he played week in, week out. And with that, it does indeed conclude the news of the day. The last thing that I need to talk to you guys about was an article that I put up yesterday in response to something that we spoke about a few days ago. You probably a lot of you saw the horrific chance that was going around the Amex Stadium in the Arsenal section, uh, targeting Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV. Disgusting, um, embarrassing, and really did leave the club in disrepute. And so I wrote a piece about it, uh, specifically uh, 
kind of reacting to that, condemning the actions of those that, that did that chant. And when I tweeted it out, uh, the response that I got was neither surprising. Um, it wasn't surprising at all to get some of the responses that I got. Um, the fact that some people didn't even read the article before replying, just seeing a an article which looks like it defends AFTV, which it's not about defending AFTV. It's about condemning the actions of those disgusting people that decided to chant something that I'm not going to repeat on the show. If you want to talk more about it, you can go and watch the Arsenal Lounge because we discussed it a bit over there on Monday. Um, but the responses to the tweet were like talking about how can you defend AFTV, AFTV are an embarrassment, all of this stuff without actually reading the article and finding out what's happened. And that's a real shame. It's not it's not a surprise. It doesn't surprise me that some people have this mindset because it's narrow-minded, blinkered, and frankly lacks perspective. But it's just a case of a real shame that, that happened. But if you want to go and read the article, it's over on football.london. And uh, yeah, educate yourselves on what happened because it was despicable. And we're all Arsenal fans at the end of the day, and we shouldn't be seeing fellow Arsenal fans speaking to others quite like we did see in the Amex last Saturday. Anyway, we are going to now move on to the final part of the show, which is uh, the question, query, theories and thoughts uh, section of the show, which you can throw in your, uh, as I say, the questions into the chat box and we will go through as many of them as feasibly possible. So let's uh, let's get on to that. Uh, Shaheen's in the chat. Good to have you in here, bro. Uh, spot on, Tom. It's a really interesting article. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. As I said, do go watch the Arsenal Lounge that we recorded on Monday. We discussed some really good topics and covered it really well, I thought. So give it a watch. Uh, let's scroll up and see if there are any questions. Maya says, can we get Tielemans? I read somewhere that he's valued at about £50 million in January and £40 million in the summer. I think from my perspective, if Tielemans is going to leave Leicester, he's going to want to go to somewhere where he can guarantee himself Champions League football. He has Europa League football with Leicester, although he may not do by January. Um, but I think he'll want to take that next step kind of forward in his career. I'm not sure if that's going to be kind of guaranteed at Arsenal. Would I take him? Absolutely. I think he's a fantastic midfielder. It's just I'm not sure that Arsenal will be able to get that deal done and convince him that the project is is quite right for him, if that makes any sense. Um, GGTV for you says, this is very big of Arsenal doing that for Derby. Arsenal helping out financially. What universe is this? Um, it's, look, I think it's, a you know, it's always good to see the best in humanity as best as we feasibly can. Uh, let's go to, oh, why am I so blurry? Let's stop that. There we go. Uh, no, why am I still blurry? Stop this. Stop this. There we go. <laughs> My camera's having a mare this morning. I do actually need to think about getting a new one because it's being a bit silly recently. Uh, Audrill says, what is going on with my hair? Christ. Uh, Audrill, <laughs> that's why I need to get a haircut because this, this is stupidly long at the moment. I need to get it sorted. Uh, Audrilla says, uh, morning, Uncle Tom. Do you think we need a more defensive or attacking central midfielder? And how? Uh, and who would you want? Uh, I think we need to move for a more defensive-styled midfielder as a priority i think you look at um players like we were linked to in the summer locatelli neves bruno gibraltar all of these guys eve basuma of course i think that's clearly the priority clearly what we need to move towards the problem with those is that they're very expensive and they're also right-footed and i i kind of want to see us move down the route of signing a left-footed central midfielder i feel like we need it i feel like it helps our left flank a lot or just a right-footed player that's really good with their left foot too but i think we we've seen a couple of indications in the games against brighton um in the games at the start of the season as well when jacker wasn't available 
that uh, Burnley and Norwich games in particular, like we did lose a little bit of a like kind of threat down the left flank. And so I think that we may need to be looking into someone that can really play out with their left foot on the left-hand side of midfield next to Thomas Partey. But I talk a bit about that in the Arsenal analysis show on the Arsenal way. So make sure you check that out if you haven't already. Uh, Stephen says, uh, oh, wait, where's Stephen's question? There it is. Should we prioritise a centre midfielder and hold up forward? Uh, I think those are the two positions that you need to be looking at this coming summer, which is still so very much far away. Whether we do anything in January, I don't know. I doubt it. It will depend on who leaves, but I think it'll be more about outgoings than anything in January. Uh, the Red Gorilla says, do you think Lacquer will go next window and Aubameyang in the summer? I think Aubameyang will be here until the end of his deal, to be honest. I think Lacazette will go at the end of the season. I think Balogun will go out on loan in January. I think Nketiah will probably leave in January. I think that Kalasnach will go in January. Uh, who else could go in January as well? Uh, Maitland-Niles could, could yet choose to go. Chambers or Holding, maybe frustrated with the lack of minutes. They could go. Um, Cedric could go, lack of minutes. Although he said that he's happy at the club. So who knows at this stage? We will, we will wait and see uh, with what happens with those guys. Uh, I really... Do not want to grow my hair into a mohawk, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not happening. We're getting married next year. It's just, just not going to happen. Uh, GGTV View says the hate AFTV, the hate at AFTV is everything that's wrong with the fan base in a nutshell. Stan Kroenke is the problem, not AFTV, in my opinion. I mean, it's always, I think the, the misplaced judgment, I feel that the, the criticism AFTV gets sometimes. Look, it's far from perfect. And I disagree with a lot of the things that have gone on over there. But if you think that's the main issue at Arsenal, I mean, shake your head a bit because it's. <laughs> I don't know how you can think that's the priority right now. Uh, Colin says, Tom, it's just as well that we're all grown up here. Carry on the good work. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Uh, scroll up a little bit higher. Uh, well, there's more value in being a moron. Educate, eh? Says Hambo. There's more value in being a moron. It's the Zion. I don't even understand your comment, to be honest, Hambo. Please educate me as to what you think that means. Uh, John says, thoughts on Sterling, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Saka as a front three. I mean, I think that's got a lot of goals in it and a lot of creativity in it as well with Martin Odegaard or Smith Rowe playing behind. It's certainly something that I wouldn't turn down. Very English as well. Uh, England internationals all across the line. Uh, Wes says, how come that we already got Partey's replacement while he is still very much our integral player and didn't go for Xhaka's replacement, although he almost left this summer? I think it's because he didn't leave, Wes. I think Arsenal brought in Lokonga because he was a really good prospect and that was there and available this summer. And if we hadn't have gone for him this summer, he probably would have gone off to the likes of Napoli. So we did want to get that done. Also, Thomas Partey's injury record tells us that he's going to miss a fair few games throughout the season. He's already missed some this year. Lukonga is a good ready-made replacement should he move, uh, should, sorry, should he get injured or be suspended or just not be available for whatever reason. I think Shaka's like, kind of staying meant that we didn't go and get someone while we've still got El Nenny and Maitland-Niles at the club as well. We need someone, though. I think that's become very much apparent with, with his absence. So, fingers crossed, we can see something happen. Uh, what kind of centre midfielder do Arsenal need to get this summer, says Alpha. This summer, I still think we need to add that Xhaka replacement. But if you look at the fact that Arteta does like the idea of playing 4-3-3, as soon as one of Erdogan or Smithrow is gone, we do kind of lack a bit of depth in that area now Joe Willock's left. It could come in the form of a Patino or a Miguel Aziz or someone else coming through the youth ranks, but, or like a Salah Adin maybe, but I still do feel like we're quite light in that area of the pitch if we were to switch to a 4-3-3 more permanently. So maybe we would have to consider 
that going forwards. Matt says, Tom, who is your Xhaka replacement? Who is it? I honestly, I need more time to consider the replacement options because I was so set on the likes of Basuma and Gimaraish and that, but I do want to see some left-footed options. I do want to see tactically what players would suit the left-hand side midfield position uh, because it's a really threatening area of our game. And if we lose that service to Tierney or to whoever is on the left wing, I think it really will restrict us. So I need to do a little bit more research into possible players that can play out onto the left flank. Um, Ozzy Guda says, uh, Hi Tom, I really enjoy your level-headedness. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate um, your comment. There's no point losing your head for views. <laughs> it's just not worth it. I'd rather stay level-headed. And, you know, it's it's ultimately led to where the channel is today, led to the job that we got today, and uh, we move, as, as they say. Uh, the Premier League chat, Olu says, the best teams use 4-3-3. We should be looking to switch permanently to that 4-3-3 now that Xhaka is out. I do tend to agree. Um, the zeitgeist, Hambo says, the general intellectual, moral and cultural climate of an era. I mean, very deep, Hambo. <laughs> I don't know how to take it, to be honest. There is always going to be... Uh, people that want to watch the world burn is is what I say. Uh, John Daly says, are you excited as I am? I'm fully behind Arteta having a hungry, young and talented bunch of players and the thought of a more coming is exciting. He has a plan. I can see it. He just needs time. Look, excitement. Look, I'm always excited for the next game as an Arsenal fan. I wasn't last season, um, which probably contradicts what I've just said. But I think with Arteta... There is always these glimpses that we get of something that could work, of like a project that could happen. But the issues I have with Arteta are very much the in-game management, very much the absence of a consistent style. And those two things for me hold me back from getting back on the Arteta train at the moment. The biggest plus for me under Arteta and specifically Edu has always been the recruitment. Over the last two years, Arsenal's recruitment has improved massively bringing in Gabriel and Partey and Tommy Yasu and Erdogan and, uh, and Ben White and and bringing in backup players and depth players like Pat, uh, Patino, um, like uh, Lukonga and Tavares. These two young guys coming in to support those two positions is great bits of business. I feel like I'm missing someone. Um, am I missing? Aaron Ramsdale, of course. Uh, and Aaron Ramsdale who's came in. So there is, for me, a lot of, of hope in that department. It's just Arteta needs to find more consistency. Arteta needs to find more, uh, and that will come with time, yes, but the results will always remain a priority. And fans will not accept us finishing eighth or lower again, and they shouldn't do. And if we don't achieve top six, in my view, seven, if we get seventh place, you'd say we've moved up a position from last season, but it's still not enough, I don't think. And if you aren't achieving top six again, I think you have to look at that and go, I'm not sure that after this amount of time, if you can really say that the amount of time being afforded is being used in the right way. In the market, it is, but on the on the pitch, that's what I would argue and struggle with right now. So we will see. We'll wait. I'm not going to lose my head now. We'll, we'll see. I have my own opinions, but I take every single game, game by game, and, and we'll see where we are at the end of the season, ultimately. 
Uh, Samuel says, Tom, have you watched Tim Akinola recently? Looked physically uh, so ahead of his fellow academy lads. Salah, Charlie, Amika, these are getting the limelight, but Akinola is doing brilliantly. Samia, I have seen uh, little patches uh, of him play. Obviously, we do the monthly report on the youth team with Kev from Next Generation Arsenal, and he spoke very highly of Akinola. And the good news is that he's probably going to be signing a new deal with the team soon. We'll see how he develops and how he improves. And he's certainly one that I think is maybe going under the radar, as you say, Samia. So very well brought up. Uh, Pratesh says, is Alexis still on our radar to sign in January? I doubt it, but let's see. <laughs> it's one of those funny Arsenal signings that you can see happening. I don't think that it will, though. Jasmine says, Tom, is Salah the best player in the Premier League? And if we had him, are we title challengers? I think anyone with a player of Salah's quality could turn into title challengers, to be honest, Jasmine. Yes, he is the best player in the Premier League. Without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, the Red Gorilla says, Tom, Saliba ha does Saliba have a recall clause in his contract? No, he doesn't. As far as I'm aware, he does not have a recall clause in his deal. I have had no indication, no information that suggests that he has a recall clause. The only players that I know that do outright are Miguel Aziz. He has a recall clause in his contract with Portsmouth, which I think the club could consider if the amount of minutes he's getting continues, which isn't many. He is injured at the moment, but he, when he was fit, he wasn't playing. Uh, I don't know about Reese Nelson, who is also not playing at all at Feyenoord. Um, so there could be some recall clause scenarios in there. But Saliba, as far as I'm aware, no, there, there is no recall clause in that deal, as far as I know, which you always should take as a pinch of salt. Uh, Funkin' Demand says, Tom, would you ever do a show with AFTV if they asked? I think uh, with your help, their transfer show would be much better and more trustworthy. Uh, probably not. Um because I'm already very much quite busy with this and my job uh, over at Reach and FL and the Arsenal way. So no, um, because of time, travel, and yeah, so probably not, I'm afraid. Uh, logistically, it just wouldn't work out. And um, I don't think, no, and, and I don't think I would even on, even if I did have the time. I would happily speak to, Robbie on the on this channel. In fact, I've, I've previously reached out to him to, to no response, unsurprisingly. But I I don't think I would. And maybe that's something that would change if I had a one-to-one -one conversation with Robbie. Maybe I would change my view. But I can't get on board with some of the things that have happened on the channel um, and some of the controversies that have happened with the channel. I think that would stop me from doing that. Um, and And yeah, but... As I say, nothing's ever personal. It's just civil, and that's that's as it is. That's why I get really frustrated. Um, what was I going to say? That's why I get frustrated with the response when people can't have a balanced view. People can't look at it in the sense of the chant that we saw at Brighton and what we heard being said and separate that from the opinions of some fans that do appear on the channel. Like, at the end of the day... What people say on the channel, it's like it's Robbie's channel, right? If people say certain things on the channel that are controversial or abusive, that, that should be stamped out. Then more should be done to stop that. Um, but I look more at the person saying it as the priority. <clears throat> but then I look to AFTV and go, are you not doing enough to stop that kind of behavior? Like the thing that happened to Ty, um, which... I, I'm not educated enough to really have a real opinion on it, but from what I've heard from people who I do know have like are able to have an opinion on it because of their beliefs tell me that that was wrong. 
um, the whole situation with Mo, um, everything like that. Just, yeah, it doesn't sit right with me, but I think that you need to separate certain things when you see Robbie being abused by hundreds of fans at a ground. You need to take these things in, <clears throat> in isolation and condemn them because it's very different. So it's just about not having an agenda, which is a really weird word um, to use sometimes. I think it's a word that gets overused at times, the word agenda, but you, you need to be able to separate certain issues and then build an opinion based upon different scenarios, which we try to do. If you if you just kind of paint everything with the same brush, you're not giving it a fair chance. Um, so there you go. Uh, I hope that answers your question. I thought it was probably a bit of a long answer. Uh, Temi says, can you work with Curtis Shaw? Uh, I've uh, done a show with Curtis over on, uh, I think we did it on the same old Arsenal, actually, when Dan was doing the Friday shows. But yeah, um, me and Curtis are sound, I, I assume. So yeah, uh, I will. if, if we're, we're doing our uh, Let's Talk Arsenal fan series, so I'll be more than happy to have Curtis on. Jasmine says, Tom, Kaya on the Arsenal Lounge at... Uh, was solid indeed. In my opinion, he's already underrated journalist. Uh, do you mean the Arsenal way, Jasmine? I think <laughs> Arsenal Lounge. You got Mo, uh, Shaheen, and Lev, and myself for Monday shows. Um, the Arsenal way is our reach-based channel. Um, but Kaya Kainak, who is the Arsenal reporter at Football London, uh, yeah, he's brilliant um, and really nice guy. And it's been an absolute pleasure working with him. So yeah, absolutely go check Kaya out on Twitter at Kaya Kainak ninety seven memory so yeah go check out kaya stuff and on all the team as well obviously you've got some really good writers and presenters over there so make sure you check it out yes the arsenal way <laughs> it's easy to get these mix there's so many arsenal channels out there i'm not surprised um okay there you go thank you i, I thought it did make sense Funger man so uh there you go uh i have problems with uh mo gambo says i have problems only with arteta edu and the cronkies they are making bad decisions for the club the players and collateral for their mistakes Mogambo, i would love to have a conversation with you about edu because this is something that i think he gets painted with the same brush as the cronkies sometimes what has edu done that you think outweighs all of the positives. And when I say the positives, I mean helping to bring in all of those six players we signed this summer, helping to get 25-odd million quid for Joe Willock, getting in Erdogan and Matt Ryan in January and moving out the likes of Ozil, Mustafi, just getting them off the books and moving on that scenario, Socrates as well, bringing in Thomas Partey. Like, what, what is it that Edu has done that outweighs all of those good things? Because if the answer is he signed Willian... That's not enough. That doesn't outweigh all of those problems. So do let me know, because uh, I really do get confused with the hate towards, or not the hate, but the criticism towards Edu, I think is so unbalanced. And all of the good that he's done really does outweigh the negative decisions. And there are negative decisions, but I think that the negative side is fully outweighed by the positive things that Edu has done. Uh, Praktika says, Odegaard next to Partey with Saka, Emil Smith, Rowe and Pepe supporting Aubameyang. Discuss that arguably could be our best uh, formation. Uh, I think that Odegaard, not next to Partey, but in front of Partey with, with Smith, Rowe in kind of the 4-3-3. Uh, and then Saka, Alba. And I would actually try Martinelli on the left. I'd try him and I'd bring Pepe on later in the game if it's not working right now. That's what I would do. And Mandeep says, do you see us breaking into the top six by Christmas? Um, I mean, if you base it off the last four league games, then yeah, because we won three of the last four. We got 10 of 12 points. So you would say yes. 
if you base it off 10th and 21 points, you would say probably not. So it depends on on how Arsenal deal with the next couple of games against Palace and Villa. I think those two games against Palace and Villa will give us such a good kind of measure of where we are as a team right now and, and how Arteta's tactics are working, especially considering I think they're both home games. So we'll see how that works. Richard says, uh, looking forward to seeing what he does next summer, if it's true what he says about bringing in experience, world-class players, you should add. Uh, we'll be clu- uh, curious to see who we get. Absolutely. Uh, Ozzy, he did bring in Gabriel, but that was alongside Raul Sanyehi. So there's kind of a discrepancy about how who, who you credit the most um, with those two. So that's why I always do leave that one off ever so slightly. But it's still he was still here. So um, he was still very much here when it happened. So you have to say that he was involved. And so surely he does get some credit for it. Uh, Jasmine said, Arteta is showing more trust in that first 11 on the pitch to turn things around when things aren't going well. That is, in my opinion, very important for team cohesiveness in the longer term. Jasmine, I slightly disagree. I don't have a problem with keeping faith in a starting 11 moving forward. However, I do think that the game against Brighton highlighted that had he have actually reacted changed the system, gone to a 3-4-3, taken off one player, brought on either Maitland-Niles or Cedric in a right wing-back position, I think maybe we could have done more. We could have achieved more. You could have even put Tommy Astor at right wing-back, brought on Tavares, moved Tierney into a left centre-back role and put Tavares at left wing-back. You had options. There was options that we had. So that that's, for me... It is an issue. It's it's the issue that the in-game side of things is the big is along with the style being not consistent. They're the two key issues I have with with Arteta at the moment. Uh, Raptor says Tom root cause is the Cronkies. Edu Arteta can't do much without sufficient funding. Five-year reports are out. City spent one point zero nine billion. United one point zero three billion. Chelsea and Liverpool eight hundred million. Arsenal two hundred and fifty million. However, what I would say, Raptors, is since the Cronkies were involved with the club in two thousand and seven, Arsenal have spent over a billion on transfers. So we can't always just look and say that Arsenal aren't spending. Arsenal are spending. We spent more this summer than any other summer on record. We need to show progress. We've got players. We've got a good team. We need to see that on the pitch and Arteta has made mistakes and is still making mistakes but there are still some really good things about him in his recruitment in some of the things that we're seeing on the pitch the defense in particular how we combat the top six sides especially away from home now you would look at the Man City game as a you know we had a man sent off and then it just went to you know what so there are those issues but it is some of some of the things you have to look at it in balance you have to look at the positives and the negatives of it I still am very much on the side of, I think, and Antonio Conte would be doing a much better job right now because he's just simply more experienced and a better coach. But in the long term, Arteta could prove to be the guy that turns this team into back into an established top four side. It's just whether or not he can do that in the time that's available. And, and that seems to be very much running out at this stage. So there you go. Yes, that is over a billion in 15 years. It's still a billion quid spent on transfers and we've gone backwards. So you can't ignore it, Raptors. From 2007 to 2021, Arsenal have spent more than a billion pounds on players and they've gone from an established top four team to back-to-back eighth place finishes. It's not something to laugh at. That's terrible. That's awful. A billion pound on players, back-to-back eighth place finishes, out of Europe, regression, all of that, because we spent it poorly. Now... 
Arteta and Adu in isolation over the last two summer transfer windows, I've been much more impressed with the way we're recruiting. But now we're improving the recruitment. It's got to then show on the pitch. It's got to then improve on the pitch. And that's the big issue for us right now. Uh, if Arteta resigned tomorrow, which manager would suit us? Ten Hag works for young players, says IGK. Uh, I don't know enough about Ten Hag to say, yes, he's the right man. I do know plenty about Antonio Conte and I would choose him. Absolutely. Uh, Practica says the hatred director rule directed at the Cronkies is weird and reflects a lot of ignorance in the part of the segment of the fan base. I don't want sugar daddy owners. I want uh, fiscally responsible football. Well, Practica, I can tell you for a fact that the Cronkies have not shown uh, responsibility with the club and the, the spending and the decision making. The Cronkies are the number one problem with Arsenal Football Club by a long, long way. Um, so I don't think it's ignorance on Arsenal's fans' part on Arsenal fans' part towards the owners. The owners are absolutely at fault for Arsenal's regression, and under their tenure, Arsenal have gone from a top four team looking like they could go back to challenging for a title as they did towards the end of the two thousands to a side that are nowhere near that. So there's no ignorance towards the owners. They are the root cause of Arsenal's regression without a shadow of a doubt. Um, uh, Pavel Ferran says, things done by Brennan Rodgers, David Moyes and Graham Potter is immense and effective. Even with the transfer budget and the quality that they had, they were able to outdo Arsenal. So who is at fault? It's a really good point. If you spend smartly and have good coaching and make good decisions on the pitch, you improve. You don't need to spend a net spend of a huge amount of money. You look at Leicester. You look at Liverpool. Two self-sustaining teams that have won the title over the last, what, six, five, five years? And won the Champions League in the case of, of Liverpool as well and the FA Cup in the form of, of Leicester too. So you can't just talk about spending because clubs on a self-sustaining model are achieving those big targets. It's as simple as that, really. Um, I'm going to finish up the show there because I want to have breakfast before I start my shift. I hope you have a fantastic day. As I say, we've got some really good content coming out for you guys on the Arsenal way and over here as well. We're going to be doing a Let's Talk Arsenal fan show tomorrow. We'll tell you more about our guests in tomorrow's show. Uh, well, probably in Friday's show, but it will be coming out tomorrow evening, fingers crossed. So I'm looking forward to that. Do make sure if you haven't already, drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you have not done so. And uh, welcome if you are indeed new. It's been an absolute pleasure. We will see if you've been listening on audio-only platforms as well. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow morning. It's been an absolute pleasure. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates are around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.